I want Tina to come back and sing that song again. I was breaking my neck to get over here because we had a malfunction over there and she didn't get to sing. I want to tell you something. I've been here almost 15 years. I've never got the pulpit at 1058. I do not know if he's trying to make Case just sweat or if he's trying to make me break my neck. <laughs> I had another announcement I wanted to tell you too is that uh, uh, there's no need of you tailgating me when I'm doing 85 in a 60 mile zone. And them little red and blue lights, that's ridiculous. That's something we'd play with in the backyard, amen? Psalm 106 is where we're at this morning. What a great, uh, great time we've already had in the Lord. I preached at Arabella, and my old superintendent friend came up to me, and he said, Brother Charles, I don't want to tell you what to do, but you probably ought to soften that message up just a little bit. And uh, I preached at uh, Mason Creek, and a couple of them came up and said, you may ought to soften that up a little bit before you go to Woodland Hills. But you're going to get the whole load. Amen. <laughs> Psalm 106. Psalm 106, beginning in verse 36. And, uh, boy, these are, are uh, some horrific days that we're living in today. Uh, this is, and I never thought I, in, in 15 years, I've really never preached on sanctity of human life. It's the third Sunday of January, it always is. The next Monday is to tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. And that reminds us that racism has no place in the family of God. Doesn't make any difference. You're black, white, red, red, yellow, doesn't make any difference whatsoever. The ground is level at the cross. That's it. And I never thought, honestly, that I ever had the need to preach on the sanctity of human life because I just felt like we were all on the same page. And I woke up one day and determined that what I believed is totally wrong. See, I'm thinking in my mind, as small as it is, that there's just a few left-wingers and nuts in this world. And I've discovered that 53% of this country don't even pay taxes. So I'm telling you, there's a few more nuts and a few more left-wingers than what we think. And then the primary thing is I know that this is D now, always is this weekend. And I want to just challenge our kids. Maybe you can come along and fill in the gaps where we messed up. This next generation... I'm claiming and hoping is going to be the hope of our country, not the demise of our country. The Bible says in Psalm 106, verse 36, stand with me, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says this, and they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils, and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus were they defiled with their own works, and went a-whoring with their own inventions. 
Father, would you just bless this service? God, I don't feel adequate to even preach what's in this scripture this morning. But I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll use this vessel to get across what you want done. And I pray through the Spirit this morning that every life would be touched. We stand in need of you, oh God. We ask you to reach down and touch us. Give us a fresh anointing. It can only come from you. Oh, Lord, our God, mm, how great thou art. We praise you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to thank Lenny and Billy Crump. They're the ones responsible for having our crosses out front and, and dedicating this to sanctity of human life. When you look at racism and you look at abortion, they're two staggering sins. Staggering. Uh, now, as I mentioned, and you've, you've clapped, I hope you agree. I told the other church, we believe the ground's level at the cross. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what nationality you are. doesn't make any difference whatsoever. None whatsoever. But not everybody believes that. There are people today, just yesterday, who simply get before a camera and say, my race is more important than your race. If you're not the color I am, then you're wrong. You can't do this because I can do this because I'm this color. That's hogwash. That's hogwash. We're all citizens of heaven or citizens of the United States at least. And then the same thing bleeds over to abortion. If I want my baby, my baby's a person. If I don't want my baby, it's not a person. If I want my baby, it's illegal to kill her. If I don't want her, it's legal to kill her. Therefore, I have the right as a woman to determine whether I'm going to have my baby or not. Hogwash. Another Greek word. So racism and abortion are staggering sins. And so as, as I've looked for this day, I've, I've prayed specifically for four things. I prayed, number one, that God would be glorified in his supreme right over forming every human being. Before we even knew anything about it, Jeremiah says, he formed us in the mother's womb. Before we ever knew anything about it. My prayer is that we will understand. See, one of our greatest problems today, students, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'll go ahead and let you know so you can get on your phones if you need to. Uh, one of our greatest problems is we've taught you how to have a worldly view and nobody's ever taught you how to have a godly view. And I want to tell you, you don't need any more self-esteem. You don't need any more little train. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. You need Christ's esteem. You need to understand who you are in Jesus Christ. And when you understand that, all these other worldly problems all fall into place. They'll all fall in place. So God be glorified in his right to form us. The second thing is that Christ would be glorified in his forgiveness for the sin of abortion. Yeah, I want to tell you, if you're here today and you've had an abortion, don't, don't you think this preacher came to beat you up? I came to put my arms around you and tell you I love you. I, I, I want you to be forgiven of your sins. I can't forgive you. You can't forgive yourself. But there's mercy in Jesus. And then my third prayer was that thousands of women in this situation of unplanned pregnancy would find God's people willing to help them. 
and not shut them down. My fourth prayer is that through you, God's people, there would spread across our land a Christ-exalting commitment to the preciousness of God-given life. Now, the goal of Psalm 106, uh, and, and we're going to be there all through it, so just keep your Bible open to Psalm 106. It begins and ends with the phrase, praise the Lord. It's a Hebrew phrase that literally means hallelujah, and then you Yahweh on the end. Hallelujah, Yahweh. Hallelujah, Yahweh. It starts with that, and then it ends with that. Now, we're going to come back to that in just a few moments. But really what he's saying here, the psalmist wants us to begin and end with this thought in mind, not just to say great things about God. We all know God's great. We all know God's good. We're all willing to say great things about God. But the psalmist, I believe his point here is to not just say them, but to believe that only God is praiseworthy of our praise. To believe that he is glorious, that he's great, he's wonderful, that he's more valuable than anything else. More to be desired than anything else. That's what it means to praise God. To think, feel, say, sing those things about him. That's the goal. So he gives thanks. He said in verse 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord. In verse 47, that we may give thanks to your holy name. First and last. The reason the thanks are so giving is found in verse 1. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. That's what we start with. That's what we end with. Now let's kind of look at what's in the middle, because it's not a rare, real good picture. Verse 7, near the end of that verse, they rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. We're talking about the nation Israel. We're talking about God's chosen people. They rebelled by the Red Sea. Verse 14, they had a wanton craving in the wilderness. Verse 16, they were jealous of Moses and Aaron. Verse 19, they made a calf at Horeb and worshipped a metal image. You remember when Moses came down from Mount Sinai? They said, we don't know what happened. We threw all our rings and gold in here and out jumped this calf. Mm. It's a shame Brooklyn Bridge wasn't around then. They despised, look at verse 24, they despised the pleasant land having no faith in the promise. The promise that God had given them, that's one of the most discouraging things for a pastor of a church to know that God's given us a vision, God's given us a dream, and people somewhere before the end of that dream, they get tired of it or they get weary about it and they end up wanting to quit before they see the promise of the dream. Then in verse 28, they yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. Now we started out, hallelujah, way. Now we're eating sacrifices to the dead. This is God's chosen people. Verse 32, they angered God at the waters of Meribah and made Moses' spirit bitter. Verse 34, they did not destroy the people's but mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. Hmm. Guys, I want to tell you, two can't walk together except they be agreed. In my 47, almost 48 years of ministry, I could not tell you how many people have come and told me 
I want to marry this person. I know they're not saved, but I'm going to be the one that, that leads them. I can count on one hand the time that's worked. I just want to tell you right now, if you come and tell me, and Brother Case, same way. You think you can shortchange me and go to Brother Case, go ahead. He's tougher than I am. If you come and tell me that you're saved, but the one you want to marry is not saved, we're not going to marry you. There's no need of marrying somebody when you know the future's already set up. And that's what's going to happen. I can count on one hand the time that's worked. You will not bring the world up to God's standards. You'll bring God's standards down below the world. That's the way it works. And then look at verse 36. Now, we've started out, they rebelled by the sea. They had a craving in the wilderness. They were jealous of Moses. They made a calf. They despised the pleasant land. They yoked themselves to Baal. They angered God. They did not destroy the people like God told them to do. Number 36, they served their idols. We're talking about the people of God. They served their idols. And then look at verse 37. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. We've come all the way, all the way up there from rebelling by the sea to the fact that now we're sacrificing our sons and daughters. We're not talking about cows and oxen. We're talking about somebody's grandchildren, somebody's children, sacrificing them. And the Bible says the land was polluted with blood and they became unclean in their acts. And played the whore in their deeds. There's a lot more things the psalmist could have said about the nation Israel. But he stops there. And I believe he stops there because he understands that when you get to the place where you're sacrificing your own children. That's about as low as you can get. Now the four things here to consider. Number one is this. The sacrifices they were making were their sons and daughters. They were not sheep. They were not oxen. They were little girls and boys. Probably what was happening is they would lay that little child on that altar. And they would split that little child's throat. And the blood would drain on that altar. You say, preacher, that's, un that's unfathomable. That's inhumane. No. Based on what we're doing today, that's probably a more humane way of doing it. Because see, right now in America, it's legal for a little baby to be coming out and a doctor take some triceps and pull his leg off and lay it on a table like a dentist would put a tooth over there. That's legal in America today. And then tear the other leg off. All that's legal today. their children, their sons, their daughters. Something horrible has happened to their hearts for them to be able to do this. Secondly, this blood is called innocent blood, and that doesn't mean that the children had no sin because every one of us know we're all born with a sin nature. You don't have to tell a child to lie or steal or be jealous or take toys away. You don't have to tell them that. They do that on their own. 
So it's not that they did have no sin. What he's saying here is that their relationships among people, they have never come to a point where they deserve being put to death because of the way they acted to somebody else. It's innocent blood. Innocent. Third thing I see here is when they sacrifice their children to pagan idols, they're sacrificing them to demons. They're not talking about God. They're talking about demons. They've sacrificed them. Paul used his teaching in the Old Testament to clarify what was going on in the temple sacrifices. And he, he said the food offered to idols is anything, and idols is anything. I imply pagan sacrifice and all that. But basically, whatever Paul is saying here is, you and I ought not to participate in things that's been offered to demons. And we got two societies in this world today. There's a worldly, secular society, and there's a Christian society. And I want to tell you, over my last life, my only life, those things have become so closely entwined that you have a, different, have a, a difficult time telling the difference. And then fourth thing I see here, and let me just share with you this. I, I don't care what it is. Anything that obscures the glory of God in your life is sin. I don't care what it is. I stopped at a gas station last week in St. Augustine, Texas. And a lady was fixing to put her last dollar she had in the lottery machine. She said, I guess I'm going to try one more time. And I just couldn't help myself. I mean, when am I, who would I know in St. Augustine? <laughs> well, come find out I know her a lot, <laughs> a lot of people. I said, lady, outside out here, right in front of that McDonald's out there, there's a guy standing there, and I can look at him and tell he's hungry. You need to take that dollar over here. McDonald's got a dollar menu. Yeah, but they've got tax. I said, I'll give you the tax. You buy something off that dollar menu and take it out there and give it to that guy, and you'll be a whole, more, whole lot more blessed than putting that dollar in that lottery machine. And she did it. Anything that obscures us, In the Old Testament, Israel was considered to be the, the wife of God. So when you decided you were going to worship an idol, what you're doing is you're committing adultery. That's why the Bible says they went whoring. God, you're not all I need. God, you're not going to be sufficient to meet my needs. God, we need to go somewhere else and find somebody else. Idols, adultery. Now, I want to tell you, the same demonic forces are happening today, too. The parallels with abortion are these children in the womb today, their sons and daughters, their blood is innocent. It's being poured out in the most gruesome procedures and dismemberments. And we can be sure, listen to me this morning, I can positively tell you that the force behind the abortion industry is the devil himself. I can tell you the same thing about alcohol and gambling and all of those things too. I can do that. We're just not covering that today. The demonic forces are alive and well. And in our sacrificing our children to the demons of deceit on the altar of abortion in Planned Parenthood, what we do is we play the whore. 
because we let it happen. Say, my soul. (laughs) We started out, praise you the Lord. Hallelujah, Yahweh. And now we've gone through all of this. How are we going to end up praising the Lord? Remember I told you it started that way. It ends that way in verse 47. How are we going to end up doing that? Well, let me tell you the good news this morning. There's a red thread that runs through Psalms 106. Mercy of God is still available. He still is open to save you. It doesn't matter what you've done up to this point. Doesn't matter who you've been. None of that is is relevant, folks. I'm telling you, the Bible says that the God we serve and the God we love will wipe our sins away if we confess them. And not only wipe them away, he'll cleanse them from all unrighteousness. That means when we've sinned, hello, how many of us have gotten up the next morning, you'll hear a sermon like this, and the devil, let me tell you, it's not God. Listen to me this morning. God's not convicting you of confessed sin. That's not God. That's the devil. When you've confessed that sin, he says he remembers it no more. It's the devil that keeps trying to tell you you're unworthy, that you don't deserve this. You get up and you say, oh God, I remember 30 years ago. God says, what what are you talking about? That's water under the bridge. I forgave you that a long time ago. We're, we're now. We're right now. God is a God of now. What you've confessed. Now listen, God's not a dumb. God knows what your sin was. But the Bible says he chooses to remember it no more. He knows who we are. But he sees that thread of mercy, that red thread of the blood of Christ flowing down through us. And that's what happens here in Psalm 106. Look at it here. Verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he's good. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love. Boy, that's what we need today. Then verse 8, They rebelled, yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might be made known his mighty power. Look at verse 10. He saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. Look at verse 23. Therefore he said he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroy him. He relented because of the prayer of Moses. Then verse 30. And as the plague was spreading, Phineas stood up and intervened and the plague was stayed. God responded in mercy to Phineas's zeal for the Lord. And then look at verse 43 through 46. Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. You know what that's saying? Well, I want to tell you something. That's saying that when you come to Jesus Christ and you've got sin in your life, he does not destroy you. Bless God, if he did, none of us would be here. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, he passes over my sin and your sin. That's what happened in the book of Exodus. Moses was leading them out, that, that last plague. The firstborn of every family would be killed. But Moses said, God said, if you'll take and you'll sacrifice a lamb and put that blood of that lamb over the doorpost, he said, when the death angel comes, I'll pass over. I'll I'll go past that blood. And that's what Christ does for us today. 
Romans 3.25 says, God put Jesus forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Wow. Hmm. You know the reason God can forgive us today? The reason God can forgive abortionists today? The reason God can forgive us of any sin is the death of Jesus Christ. And what that shows, the death of Jesus, it shows that God's not going to sweep sin under the floor, under the rug. It's got to be dealt with. And we deal with it by coming to Jesus Christ. Now look back at verse 3 and 4, which we passed over, what mercy does for us. Uh, when we've sinned grievously and you've received the mercy and the steadfast love of the Lord, it's secured by the blood of Jesus. What, what, what does you do? What does life become? What's the meaning of your existence now on this side of salvation? <laughs> well, you know God. Now, this has not happened to me. I do not know. But I've been told a good illustration of this is a guy who's drunk in a beer joint that becomes sober while he's drunk in the beer joint. Anybody got that experience? And don't, don't raise your hand. That's all right. I'm looking at a couple of you, I know. You see, you're looking, you're sitting there in that beer joint and you're drunk, and you sit there so long that you begin to sober up. And when you sober up, suddenly you begin to see that well, this is a nasty place. It's a bad place. Somebody turns on the lights and you think, good grief, what am I doing in here? This is a terrible place. That's why they're so dim. They don't want you to see what's going on. I mean, that little old thing they pull to put your beer out, man, you'd see that green mold all around that stuff and running up in there, and you're all worried about food poisoning here, and you go into a place like that. See, when, you, when you're in darkness and you begin to sober up, suddenly you understand the light. Folks who are, who are in darkness are never going to understand what we understand here this morning because we've got the light. The only way they'll understand it is when we proclaim it to them and then the Holy Spirit still then has to, you can't proclaim it good enough on yourself. We've been to so many soul-winning conferences and so many different things to help us win people to Jesus. And I want to tell you, you can throw all of them in the trash. Unless the Holy Spirit is there to convict them and draw them to Jesus, it's not going to happen. You be all the silver-tongued orator you want to be. It's not going to happen. I want to leave you with five things. We're, we're so far ahead. <laughs> I may add five more on here. I want to leave you with five things that I want you to pray about as a church. Number one, because you say, what can we do? Number one, you can pray. See, uh, everybody agrees our country's in a mess. But I wonder if the Lord were sitting right here and everyone had to file in front of him. And he said, I got one question for you. How much have you prayed for America this week? Mm. Well, Lord, you know I love you. That's not the question. 
See, you, prayer is the greatest tool we've got. And yet it's a very tool that we often neglect the most. I'm telling you, prayer is important. Young people, you may not have seen this, but there's enough of us old folk in here that have seen God answer prayer that we know prayer works. Now, it don't work like a lot of us wanted it to work when we were your age. You got a test Tuesday, you hadn't studied for it, you hadn't done nothing, tomorrow's a holiday, you're not going to study. But you're going to go in that test, dear God. He ain't going to help you on a test when you've not studied yourself. I don't know. He may. He may. His mercy endureth forever. But I wouldn't gamble on that. We need to pray. As a church, as an individual people, we need to pray. Second thing we need to do is we need to be considerate. We need to be. Who in the world put us in charge of judging people? That's way above our, our pay scale. See, we're only seeing what we think we see. See, we think we saw what we think we see, but really we hadn't seen what we've seen. We've seen what somebody else told us they've seen, and then they told it to somebody else what they've seen, and now we're going to pre preclude prejudgment and condemn these people. We're not going to fellowship with you because of what somebody's told this one, that somebody told this one, that somebody told this one. We need to be considerate. Is, is, is our... Is our ladies from Kirkpatrick here today? They're not. This is, they're here one Sunday and, and gone. They'll be here next Sunday. Let me tell you, this would be a good time for me to just tell you this. Those ladies have come from abused homes. Most of them have children. I think maybe all of them have children. And uh, they've had a terrible life. And I'm not telling you, listen to me, I'm not telling you that every one of them is going to be uh, redeemed and straightened out in life. But I am telling you, some of them are. And when they come to this church, rather than you saying, mm, you need to hug them. You need to say, hey, why don't I come by and take you out to dinner one day? I don't know if they'll let you do that or not. They might if they knew you were saved. We need to be considerate. Uh, for too long. Now, I, I can verify this because I've done this. For too long, there have been preachers that have preached just negative, 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 negative. God can't be mad every day. I mean, every once in a while, God's got to get up and say, why don't we just have a good old-fashioned blessing day today? And let's all just be blessed. I'm not saying compromise on sin. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying most of us in this room would make a wonderful Pharisee. The third thing is education. If you want to see something online, if you go to www.180movie.com, it's a movie that Ray Comfort put out years ago about abortion. And it'll, it'll, it'll speak. It's still relevant today. It'll speak to you. We need to educate. And the Internet makes it easy to educate ourselves. We need to do that. The, the third thing, well, the fourth thing, legislation. Legislation. Now, as a church and a ministry, 
We cannot be pro-partisan. You say, well, I'm just telling you, we can't be pro-partisan. If we were pro-partisan, when it came time to preach the whole word of God, I wouldn't be able to do it to this party or this party, whatever I was with. This church is not pro-partisan. We're pro-Bible. But you as a member of this church, you, you, you need to get in some legislation. The Longview City Council is coming up. Bless God, I don't even care if you're saved. If you just got common sense, you need to sign up and run for a councilman. Hmm. That's the part he told me I better leave out. Same thing happens in Hallsville. You know, it's just not as big. I'm just telling, what I'm telling you is that Christians need to be involved in our government today. We don't need, well, we need Christians who believe the Word of God. I'm digging myself in a hole. We need Christians who believe the Word of God, that believe in Jesus Christ, that exclaim His glory and His wonder. I talked with a guy and a lady. It was two weeks ago now. And they said, well, Rudd Charles, everybody knows you're a, pub, you're a Republican. And I said, you know, they probably do. I'm probably more of a publican than I am a Republican. <laughs> I'm just being honest. But you know what the sad thing to me is in this country? Is that if you want to oppose murdering babies... The Republican Party is the only one you can go to. I'm just, I'm just shooting straight with you. Now, I know you say, well, there's a green. There's a, they, I got a better chance of flying a 747 than one of them do of winning anything. <laughs> I'm telling you, there are two parties in this country, Republican and Democrat. So you're going to line up with one or the other of them. I wish there was three. You say, well, if there was three, we never would win anything. I'm not worried about winning anymore. I'm worried about Judgment Day. Bless God if we had somebody who did stand on the Word of God, who was born-again Christian and a party that upheld those principles, we could at least vote, and on Judgment Day we could say, Lord, we voted this way. But until then, we'll have to vote the lesser of two evils. One more thing. There is prayer, there's consideration, there's education, there's legislation, and there's one more, one more thing that we could do as a church. That's proclamation. You see, God didn't call us here to say politics is this, this, this. You have that responsibility as a Christian, and I have that responsibility. I probably overstepped those bounds a little bit. But I want to tell you what our task is as a New Testament church. Our task is to proclaim the gospel that Jesus saves. And he still saves today like he did a hundred years ago. If you come to him and you admit that you're a sinner and that you cannot save yourself and you believe Jesus came and died on the cross, was placed in a bar of tomb, arose the third day, ascended into heaven and is coming back again. He said, whoever calls on me shall be saved. That's what our proclamation is. That's what we're here for. That's, that's, our, that's our goal. So what are we going to do? If you're here this morning without Christ, you can't do anything until, first of all, you get that settled. Now, if the Lord's not speaking to you, don't you come down. 
don't do it. But if there's a throbbing in your heart and you know good and well in your mind, I, you say, well, I can't tell if it's the devil or if it's God. I can promise you the devil does not want you to be saved. I can pretty well put that aside. It's God. You've got a choice whether you're going to accept him or whether you're not going to accept him. But for most of us in this place, what we need to do is come and confess our sin, not to openly hear. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about getting at this altar and saying, Lord, this is my sin once and for all, Lord. I'm going to tell you one more time just to clear my conscience. And then I'm going to stand on the promise that you promised never to bring it up again. And then live your life with joy and purpose. Quit walking around, as Herb Revis says, like a sucking marbles out of a gopher hole. This, hey, this is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice. Now, we change it in translations and say, let us rejoice. It ain't got nothing to do about let us. You go back and look at it. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That's what this world needs to see. They need to see people who rejoice, people who have Jesus, people who are considerate, people who love others. I've kind of made a, and I'm through, I've kind of made a covenant with the Lord on my judgments. The only way I'm going to judge you, and I could do it, <laughs> but the only way I'm going to judge you is if you have committed a bigger sin than what I have that drove the nails in the hands of Jesus. Now, if you've done more than that, then I've got every right to judge you and be just angry with you. But I want to tell you, folks, it was my sin that drove Jesus to that cross. It was my sin that kept him on that cross. <laughs> And if you can't do more to me than what I've done to him, you're all right. You say, well, good. That leaves us some open ground. Hey, do what you want to do. I told somebody last week I was looking for a job when I got this one. I'm not going to. I've sent a thing to Denise. She sent me one of the sweetest letters I've ever gotten in my entire life. And I said, Denise, there's two things I've learned. One of them is money doesn't do any good in the kingdom of God. It's not the currency. Faith is the currency. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Take your money and do whatever you want to do with it. But the second thing I've learned is I want to finish this race running wide open at the finish line. And I'd love to see every one of you all right there. You think you're going to outrun this big fat? You wrong. You're wrong. Father, how we need you. Oh, we need you. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would help us as a church to covenant together today to say, Lord, we're going to do what you told us to do. We're going to be witnesses. We're going to reach out. We're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to love those who are in sin. We're not going to judge them. We're going to leave all the judging up to you. We're going to love them. And we're going to, Lord, do everything we can to get them out of the throes of hell into the very arms of Jesus. And Lord, I ask you this morning, 
for those that need you as a personal Savior. God, would you make this the day, this day right now. Lord, do your will in every life that's in this place today. I plead with you, even as Moses pleaded with you to stay the execution and not destroy the people of Israel. I plead with you, Lord, help these today to be saved that need to be saved. For Christians who've who've gone and backslid and who've gotten off the straight and narrow way, oh God, would you forgive them? Would you bring them, Lord, closer to you? And oh, dear God, for the millions of babies that are in heaven tonight, today, because we've murdered them here on this earth, oh God, forgive us. Forgive us as a church for not doing more, for not reaching out more, for not loving more, for not proclaiming the gospel more. God, I pray this morning, if there's anyone in this place that's had abortions, or had children or grandchildren that's had abortions, oh God, would you wrap their arm, your arms around them and let them know that those who labor and are heavy laden, they can come to you and you'll give them rest. And they can pick up their head when they walk out of this place today and say, I'm going to walk this life with joy, expecting the blessings of God. I'm not going to live in the past anymore. I'm going to forget the past and move on. And I'm going to seek the glory of God. Let it be so, Lord Jesus, is our prayer. Amen. Would you stand with me as Brother Aaron leads us? You stand as they begin to sing. Christian, would you lead the way? Come on. All the way. All the way. My Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy? Come on. Oh, my weary steps may falter, and my soul a thirst may be. Nudging from the rock before me, though a spring of joy I We continue to sing if God's speaking. Come on. Come on, Christian. 
Lost person, come on. see how good God is. <laughs> God is a prayer Bible. A Bible says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I stepped you apart. Jeremiah 1.5 
you created my envelope's being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works is wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. And I was thrown together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were gained for me, for it's written in your book, for one of them came to be. Psalm 139, 13 from 16. For I know the plans I have for you, cares the Lord. Plans were passed for you, for not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Jeremiah 29, 11. In our Sunday evening series, Walking Through the Psalms, we will be looking at Psalms 27, Where is Your Confidence? You can join us at 6 o'clock. Also tonight, there will be a church council meeting immediately following the evening service. Our church is using a new software called Realm. Have you made your account yet? You can see the directory, keep up with your attendance and life groups, and see your history of giving. It's available for you if you'd like to utilize it. For more information, contact the church office or Brother Case. The church office will be closed tomorrow in observance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It will reopen on Tuesday morning. Hilltoppers, we will be meeting on Tuesday at 11.30 in the Grand Hall. Plan to bring a dish to share and join us for lunch and games and a time of fellowship together. Sister to Sister Rally will be held this Thursday, January 24th at Marberly Baptist Church at 6 o'clock. All women are invited to join us on this evening and our very own Denise Bowens will be speaking that night. We hope you can join us. Hills Praise Choir resumes on January 23rd. We've got a place for you. If you've been thinking about joining the choir, now is the time. See Brother Aaron for more information. Our next Life Group Connect will be our Super Bowl parties held on February 3rd. Contact your Life Group leader for more information and register your children online. Two years? Did you go to Bible college? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, okay, so parents, if you got to pay for your children to go to college, young people, when it's time for you to go to college, if you have to pay for yourself, that's the best school you could go to, Bible college. Think about it. You only got to buy one book. <laughs> Have you ever done something stupid with money? Maybe you bought a car you didn't need with money you didn't have. Maybe you never learned to do a budget the right way. Maybe you're relying on credit cards to cover emergencies instead of real money. The truth is we've all done stupid things with money. I did stupid with zeros on the end. But I'm here to tell you there's hope. With Financial Peace University, you can live a life without money stress. You can build wealth. And you can start today.
Our Financial Peace University class will begin on February 17th and will be held from 5.30 to 7 o'clock p.m. Childcare is provided. For more information, contact the church office or Josh Hedgepeth. Thank you for choosing to worship with us at Woodland Hills today. Make sure and check your bulletin and our Facebook page for other events and announcements. Have a blessed day. Amen. Let me encourage you, if you're a hilltopper or somebody wants to be in hilltoppers, we actually meet at 11. I don't want you to miss the meal. It'll be good. Pork roast with rice and gravy and all that, and you bring the different things, and we'll have a great time. 11 o'clock. And then uh, I was told that there are 25 Two, five tickets left for the uh, sister to sister at Moberly. 25. Our own Denise is speaking there, so surely we want to go and support them. Amen? So be sure you get your ticket, get that registered online. That's probably just for a meal. They don't serve real good over there anyway. You could probably go to Outback and then slip on in there about seven. And I'm just joking, guys. Good gracious. Would you stand, please, if you would? Join hands across the aisle. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Don't these young people look good? Praise the Lord for them. A great, great group here. We thank you. I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme in glory. To tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Brother Jace Roberts, lead us in our closing prayer, please.